fresh bread from Candy's Kitchen. It's wonderful to be with you today. But today we are going to go on a little journey with the Queen of Sheba. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was an elementary student, I loved to read the Nancy Drew books. And I know for young men, the counterpart would have been the Hardy Boys. It was adventure. It was mystery. And when I think about the story of the Queen of Sheba, all I can see is intrigue and mystery and adventure. And I would, if I could get in a time machine, I would go back and I would sit on a camel right next to the Queen of Sheba. Because, you know, my name is Candace and in the New Testament, Candace was the Queen of Ethiopia. So maybe the Queen of Ethiopia could be sitting next to the Queen of Sheba heading on this adventure. I just, I see myself uh, going there. So the Queen of Sheba, most, some scholars say that she was probably from Yemen, Southern Arabia. It doesn't really matter where she was from. She was on a journey to go see if King Solomon was really all that and more, like everybody was saying. His fame went abroad. Uh, and she heard about him. And it's interesting because in First Kings, she heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, and she came to prove him with hard questions. So King Solomon was never just King Solomon, but he was attached to the name of the Lord. And yes, he was. He had been blessed by the Lord. And we're not going to talk about his dream and all those things. We're just going to talk about her journey. So she is on this camel, and I'm really not with her, although I wish I had been. But she gets there to Solomon, and let's just summarize by saying she was so impressed. She, I mean, honestly, I think she would have been like, we would say she was wowed by Solomon. She's impressed with the food that they serve at his table. She's impressed by the servants sitting, and I'm not quite sure what that means. I've looked it up. I haven't really got an answer that, uh, that helps me, but it sounds like the servants sit down to the meal with them, which is kind of different, but wonderful. She is impressed with the attendance of his ministers or those that would have been working in different departments of his kingdom. She was impressed with the apparel. She was, she was impressed with even the cupbearers. She was impressed with the entryway to the house of the Lord. She was impressed with the wisdom of Solomon, how he answered every question she had. She was totally wowed on this adventure. She also noticed something that maybe most average people would not notice, but she noticed the emotional well-being of those that were surrounded uh, by King Solomon. And she says, happy are your men and happy are your servants. Now, you wouldn't think of the servants being happy, but they were happy. It was a great environment to work, work in. They must have loved Solomon, his wisdom, everything that went into the aura of, of that, uh, that kingdom was incredible. 
But those are not the things that I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about is something that she says that really intrigues me. She says to Solomon, Blessed be the Lord thy God. Now, I like that because she comes because she's heard about Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. Uh, And so when she makes this statement, she includes the Lord. She said, blessed be the Lord thy God, which delights in thee. So the Lord delights in you, Solomon. He set you on the throne of Israel. God put you there. And then she says, God put you on the throne because the Lord loved Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel, he made you king. (laughs) How incredible is that? Now, that was in 1 Kings. 2 Chronicles, the same story is retold. And so I want to read uh, 2 Chronicles 9, verse 8, which is just a rephrasing of what I just said. And it says, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne to be king for the Lord thy God, because God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore made he thee king over them to do judgment and justice. God made Solomon king because... He knew Solomon could do the job that he wanted him to do for Israel that he loved who he had plans for. What did God know? God knew that Solomon was the one that needed to be king. Now, when you look at dynastic succession, Solomon would not have been the one to have sat on the throne after David. But God, through Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba and on and on, worked it out to put Solomon on the throne because he knew he was the king that he needed to have to make the people of Israel have happiness and success. God no doubt loved Israel. That started all the way back with Abraham, who received the promises of God. Uh, There was another scripture that says, and God loved Jacob. Uh, God had his hand on his people Israel. But God didn't just love the people in Israel that were wealthy or the ones that Uh, were the most intelligent or the ones that had the most connections. God even loved the poor that had nothing. And I find in, it's in, I'm not going to read the verses, but in Leviticus chapter 19 and in Deuteronomy chapter 25, he loves the people so much that he tells business owners that are are maybe raising uh, wheat and those kinds of crops or the vineyards, he says, Save the edges of your field and harvest for the stranger, the poor, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord may bless thee. 
God loved his people so much. He loved the well-to-do and he loved those that had absolutely nothing. And so when I think about the Queen of Sheba, I believe that her observation is absolutely correct. I also believe the principle is true today, just like it was back when she was looking at Solomon and saying, God delighted in you and he made you king because he loved Israel. God loves his people. It doesn't matter. Red, yellow, black, white, poor, rich, intelligent, not so intelligent. God loves his people. And when he loves his people, he tries to find those that can help us to become the best that we can be. I oftentimes refer to Bible quizzing. Bible quizzers need good coaches. Why? Because God has a plan, not just for them to just learn the word, but for them to do something with that word. I know when I was a young kid, I, I was a quizzer, and the Lord provided actually my mom. Why? Because he, he loved me, and he knew my mom could get me to study so that I could do what he had plans for me to do. I was thinking, too, when I was thinking of quizzing, I'm thinking of a, a lady in northern Indiana, Nina Lowry, and I know she listens to this podcast, so I'm giving you a shout-out, Nina. But I think about you. You've coached, I believe, since the beginning of time, and you, and you look timeless. But you have coached year after year after year after year. And sometimes your kids win, and sometimes they don't win. But, but God needed you, Nina. He needed a quality person that he could trust, that he could put into the lives of young people. Why? Not just because he loved you, Nina, but because he loves the kids that you're coaching, because he has plans for them. So he had to choose a special person to not put on a throne, but to put in the quizzing program. I think about the uh, program that the United Pentecostal Church has really accelerated in the last several years, which is the ABLE ministry. Those are uh, teachers and a program that works to help children that are autistic and that have different uh, handicaps in that way. And I'm probably not supposed to use the word handicap, forgive me. In our church, I know we have a lady, Amy Gerald's, why did God choose Amy? He chose that quality person because he knows she'll get the job done because he loves those kids that so many other people shy away from. You see, God's love is for all. It's not for a select group. And so sometimes God chooses certain people to work in certain areas or with a certain person so that they have the opportunity to feel the love of God. God loves everyone, but I'm telling you, he has a special heart for the underdogs, for those that go through tough, tough times. Scripture talks so many times about helping the widow, helping the fatherless. The book of James says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless 
and the widows in their affliction. Why does God specifically name those things? Because we oftentimes would leave some of those people out. And God's like, no, those are my people. I love them. And I need someone that I can depend on that will help in those areas. It's interesting, back in the Old Testament, Proverbs 19, 17 says, Whosoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Wow. God cares not only about the person that is poor or the person that is fatherless, but he cares about the one that he has chosen to help them. It's an interesting dynamic that God has. So I want to tell a little story here, and uh, forgive me for really a personal story. Uh, Last week, we buried Marvin, Marvin Cook. You don't know Marvin, and even if you lived right here where I'm at, you would probably not know Marvin. But I stood at the coffin, and it hit me that Marvin was no longer an orphan. But that Marvin to God was on the same level as every human that is deceased, judged by what they did with what they had. So who was this Marvin Cook that I'm talking about? Well, we don't know. We know he has a mother and a father because that's how we get here. But we don't know anything about his mother. We don't know anything about his father. When we came, not me, when my father and mother came in contact with Marvin, he was at an orphanage in the city of Indianapolis that was just a few blocks actually from the home where Pastor N.A. Urshan lived. And Marvin was there because something had happened to his mother and father. We, we don't know. Uh, Marvin was there. And my dad came along. He helped in a couple different orphanages, orphanages in the city, uh, sometimes as a job, sometimes just because he has a, had a love for, for kids that, that were underdogs. And uh, when dad went there, he met the lady that was in charge of the orphanage. I believe her name was Miss Davis. And Miss Davis had allowed Marvin Cook to stay longer at the orphanage than he was supposed to. At a certain age, they're supposed to be adopted out or or whatever, but she allowed Marvin to stay at the orphanage and she set up a little place in the basement of the orphanage. And, And you can imagine what that would have been like, but he was able to stay there after he was too old to be there. So my dad meets Marvin Uh, Jim Sleva, who a lot of people know, uh, spent a lot of time at this orphanage and brought some of these orphans to church. I don't remember exactly how it all happened that Marvin started coming to Calvary. Marvin was unique. Let's say Marvin was odd. But wouldn't you be if you had lived in an orphanage pretty much all your life and had nothing and no, really no one? He came, didn't always, he wasn't always the cleanest. Uh, that, may, that might be an understatement. Uh, didn't really know how to take care of himself, but Marvin came and fell in love 
with God, probably because God is love. And Marvin probably came to church and felt a love that he had never had in his life. He was an interesting guy. He had a, a little strand of hair that, stuck, that stood straight up in the back, reminded me of um, that, uh, the little rascals, that one little boy that had that hair that stood up. But Marvin would sit in service down near the front with a notebook and a pencil, and he would write down everything that went on in the church service. I wish we still had everything that he had written because we would have a history of Calvary Tabernacle like nobody's business. He would write down who sang, what they sang. He would write uh, things about the sermon as much as he could write down. And if he missed something and he really wanted to write it, he would go up to Pastor Urshan afterwards and say, Pastor Urshan, Pastor Urshan, I need to know what did you say, blah, blah, blah. And he would write it down. He was actually a very intelligent, he was very intelligent book-wise. Um, I don't know his actual diagnosis and it doesn't really matter. He went into the Air Force, he passed the test to go into the Air Force for a while. So that's how you can know he has some intelligence there, but he had to leave that after a while because of physical reasons. He went to work in, uh, in produce in Indianapolis, and uh, it's a big story, but he was very mistreated. And my father came to find out about his mistreatment and became his guardian. My dad found apartments for him. He bought furniture for him. He bought clothes for him because Marvin didn't drive and Marvin didn't have. And then later in life, dad found assisted living uh, quarters for him and then eventually nursing home. My dad never took money uh, for helping Marvin and I always wonder why he didn't even though he didn't really need the money but I was like dad come on you're you've you've done all this all this time but now I think I know why. Standing at the coffin and listening to the eulogies by Jim Sleva and my husband two people that I respect for loving people without a reason to as I stood there and listened to them, or I sat there and listened to them, I was reminded of the words of the Queen of Sheba to Solomon. When she says, the Lord delights in you, Solomon, he sets you on the throne because he loved Israel. It hit me. God chose my dad to watch after the orphan, but now turned man. He knew he could trust dad my dad, near the end of the funeral, stood up and said he'd like to speak. And he began to thank many people that helped him help Marvin. And there were many. It hit me again. It wasn't just about dad and all these subsequent helpers. You see, God chose dad and God chose those helpers because he knew he could get them to help Marvin. You see, he delighted in them to set them up, even though you and I wouldn't think, well, that, really, God delighted and that's what you get? Oh, yeah. He delighted in them, and he knew that he could trust them to care. But the other side of this coin is this. 
God cared and loved old Marvin. You see, God loved Marvin. He knew he could choose to look after the fatherless orphan. Oh, what a God. Whether he calls you to help with some ministry or some person, take it as a pat on the back from God. He delights in you. It's not just everyone that he can trust with some of these special cases. And so if he calls you, take it as a pat on the back. He delights in you. He trusts you with people and the things that he treasures. 2 Timothy 2, 19 to 21 says, God knows them that are his. He does know us. And if we keep ourselves clean, he will want to use us as vessels of honor, meet for the master's work, prepared for every good work. Sometimes we think of good work as the big name jobs. But sometimes God chooses special people that he delights in, that he can trust to take care of the ones that he really loves. Then I had a thought. Wow, this is a big thought. God so loved the world. And think about it. When you've got the creator God and you've got little us, regardless of who you are and where you are, what your status is, we're all nothings in the sight of a great big God. But God so loved the world so much that he, he himself came down to care for us. He came down to die for our sins because he loved us. Wow. What a God. What a queen of Sheba who really picked up on something big. Solomon? Wow. God delights on delights in you to set you on his throne because he loved his people so much. I can look at a lot of you if I saw you today and I would say, wow, God delights in you to put you into his work because he trusts you and because the people that he's given you to work with he loves so much. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure. I love the Lord, but the cool thing is he loves me, and he has delighted in many people throughout my life to touch my life because he loves me. Now I hope that he can delight in me and send me to help somebody else because he loves them. What a loving Savior. And that's all I have for you today. I hope you were encouraged and challenged 
And I pray that you will share this podcast, share this podcast on social media, share it with your friends, and uh, let it all be for the glory of the Lord. I love you today. God bless you.